Amen. So we've been doing a series, and Pastor Chris wrapped it up so beautifully last week. That's all this church wants is my money. We are starting, or I guess I got a one-off, so it's not really a series. Uh, it's just one episode, one hit a quitter, is all, all the church needs is Jesus. All the church needs is Jesus. Because it's really important that we have a full grasp of understanding of who Jesus is in our lives. And particularly, I'm going to focus on the area of grace. But if you don't have an understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done for you, then when you go out to the world or when you show others a love, it won't be the real authentic love that he designed for us to have. It'll be some combination of, of our hurts and our pains and what we realized and what we thought about and what we figured out and then said, no, this is what Jesus looks like. Because the world needs to see authentic, real Jesus. And you're supposed to carry a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. So all the church needs is Jesus. So if you will turn into your Bibles, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to do some reading today. Is that okay? So we're going we're gonna to read some scripture. There won't be a whole lot of, uh, of flipping from my end. We're just going to stay in this chapter. There's 21 verses. We're going to read all of them. Is that okay? Okay, like five people said it's all right. So the rest of us don't like to read our Bibles in church. Okay. Chapter 5. Oh, I'm going to pull up, make sure the wrong, right version. So I'm reading from the New King James Version. And when you get there, say amen. amen. Okay. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory of God, of the glory of God. It says having been justified by faith. Does that say having been justified by my actions? Does it say having been justified by my good works? Does it say being justified by my mistakes? Does it say I'm being justified by what my parents did? Does it say I'm being justified by the amount of salary I earn? By what college I go to? By what degree I'm studying? By how many times I yelled at my family members? How many times I told a lie? Justified by faith. By faith. And a big part of understanding this grace and realizing that the justification took place before you were even born. Are we catching that this morning? That you were justified, you were made righteous in the eyes of God through the life of Jesus. So that then it no longer became about my actions and what I do to earn God's approval. And a lot of that gets shaped because everywhere else in our lives today is based on your actions. Usually a promotion does not come if you are a lazy worker. Usually you do not get an A in school if you don't study. You do not get kudos or good job from anyone in authority over you if there's not some good things that have taken place. And God's saying, I'm not going to look at what you've done. I'm going to look to what my son did. And then I'm going to see you 
through him. So the very first thing we have got to understand is that justification has already happened. That's why I had you stand up and praise, because there is reason to be praising him because he already finished. That's why he said it is finished on the cross. Is that all right with everyone? Can we agree on that point? Okay. I know it may, if that sounded a little heavy for you, I'm sorry. But this pastor in Costa Rica prayed over me, prophesied. He said, there needs to be more young men of God that are preaching the truth without any holding back. And so I was just like, okay, because he's first, he, he, he prayed over me first in Spanish, and so he was just going, and I was just agreeing with him. I was just like, I don't know what he's saying, but I'm going to nod with him because he's a pastor, and I imagine he's not saying anything crazy. And so the translator starts just weeping, and I was just like, what is going on? And then she started translating what he was saying, and then I started weeping because I was like, he's praying in Spanish, and he's weeping. I don't know why he's crying. She's crying. I don't know why she's crying. Should I, shouldn't I be crying? And then she told me why, and then I was like, okay, yeah, I should be crying. But he was just declaring God's faithfulness, and he's saying, go forth. He said, don't hold back. Don't hold back. It doesn't matter if they don't like you. Keep going forward, because you know what? They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like him. They didn't approve of everything he said. So I'm going to go forward today, and if anything upsets you, you can send an email to Pastor Chris at... NCCTyler.org. Yes, because he is my supervisor. So you always, you always email up. You don't email directly to the person. Okay. So it also says in verse 1, we have peace with God. So we have a peace with him. And when you have peace with somebody, you don't worry about what the other person's thinking. You're not, up, you're not saying, oh, did I offend them? Did I say something wrong? I hope, I hope, this really, I hope they really like, like me and things like that. Because I can remember where I didn't have peace because I knew that I was going to get in trouble. Didn't happen a lot. One time, and I'm telling on myself, one time <laughs> I had a friend of mine in, in, in fifth grade. So this is way back in the day. Um, he loved to, to write checks he couldn't cash meaning he would talk a lot of just nonsense to people that were bigger than him and usually ended up in me having to come in and try to save him because he's about to get his face pounded in. So one day, he's talking to this, the biggest kid in our grade. And just to let you know who this kid was, this kid went on to when we were seniors, he was the second-rated wide receiver in the state of Texas behind one guy by the name of Des Bryant. So this guy was really good. He was really tall. He was really fast. He was really big. So he was the same way in fifth grade. He was bigger than everybody. So my friend is, is talking just nonsense to him. And all of a sudden, this guy like rolls up his sleeve, and he's about to pound him in the face. And I just come out of nowhere and, and tackle him and just move him out of the way. And then he, the guy was just like, oh, so you're going to take his place? And I was just like, yep. So as he's rolling up the other sleeve, before he could get into fight mode, I went ahead and attacked. And I just thought, I saw this movie where this guy was screaming because everybody was making fun of him because he was a water boy. And I thought, well, maybe I should try that. And so I said, Wah! and I jumped and I kicked as hard as I could this guy right in the chest. Again, he was bigger than me. So you know what he did? 
oh, you're going to get it. And, then, and he was about to pound me in the face now because I stepped into my friend's place. Thankfully, teacher came out, saved us, went to the, yes, went to the principal's office. That's not the end of the story. Went to the principal's office. The principal, because at this time, like, I'm, I'm a good student because I have the fear of my parents on me. I'm making straight A's. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do as a fifth grader. You know, I was the kid that while everybody had to go recess, I got to, had to run errands because I was a responsible one for my teacher, for my class. So I'm sitting in the principal's office. She's like, Roger, your parents are going to be ashamed. You are going to be in big trouble. Didn't, nothing happened to me at school. She knew that something would happen to me when I get home, so she didn't even punish me. She just sent me back to class the whole time. I'm just like, I don't want to go home. Maybe I can go to my friend's house that I saved. Maybe he can like hide me out like as a you know fugitive. I'd just be there for a couple of days. I don't think I knew what a fugitive was in fifth grade, but I knew that if I went home, something bad was going to happen, so I didn't have any peace at all. I go home and know, as a kid, when you know something is wrong, when you know something's bad, you're just like on edge the whole time. So you're like, Mom, can I help you with anything? You need, you want me to uh, scrub the, the floor or you want me to uh, just dust everything, the whole house? Like, I do, just like, Mom's like, no. I, I wash the dishes, I do it. Okay. Nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. And I think the statute of limitations has exceeded, so you can't retroactively, like, whoop me now for that. Nothing happened. Went the whole day without any peace until I laid my head on the bed. I was like, did I just get away with fighting at school? I didn't try it again. But the whole point is I didn't have any peace at all because I thought, I guess my principal thought that I was going to tell myself, which... As a fifth grader scared of your parents, maybe you think twice about that. I'd rather fight the kid than come home and uh, tell my parents. But I didn't have any peace. But what the scripture is saying here is that we can have peace in our relationship with God. And so you're not, should, you shouldn't be thinking about, oh, I messed up again. I, oh, God's mad at me. No, you have peace with him. So you are forever in his right standing because he sees you through the eyes, through the blood of Jesus. All right, so we're going to try to get through this chapter. We're on verse 3, right? Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope, and now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The other translation that says it makes us not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Such <clears throat> amplified, verse 5. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. All right? So God never disappoints us. Never disappoints us. Verse 7. Or did I skip one? Verse 6. Verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet 
Perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The equivalent of that would be is being on the other team. It'd be like the first NFL game of the season if the Cowboys are playing whoever they're playing and the other team has ran out of timeouts and the coach says, oh, we have an extra timeout. They can have it. I'll, I'll just use mine for you. Do you need this one? Okay, I, I, I'll use this timeout for you. Oh, wait, y'all, y'all need to get closer here. What we'll do is we're going to throw you guys the ball so that we can make the game closer. That would be ludicrous. If you saw that, you would freak out. You'd say, what is going on in today's world because teams are helping each other. But God says, while you were on the other team, while you were against me, while you were not my friend, while you didn't want anything to have to do with me, while you didn't want to be in any association with me, I still loved you enough to send my son so that you can be in a relationship with me so that I can have a relationship with you because I love you. While we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. So it makes you wonder, why then do we feel like the gospel that we have to take to people is get your act together before you come to my church? Why do we take this message is, well, we don't, you don't really look like me. You don't really sound like me, and we don't really have anything in common, so I don't think we can go to church together. But God says, while you were on the other side for the other team, when you didn't like me, when you didn't want to be with me, I still want to be with you. When you are in your mess, I still say, that's mine, that's my daughter, that's my son. God claims us even in our worst times. God wants to be associated with us even in our worst times. Me and my wife were having a discussion at Walmart, and there were times where she was doing this because I was skipping down the aisle or because I was riding on the cart, you know, like a little kid. And there's times where she's like, oh, yeah, go down the cereal. And then she hooks a U-turn, and she's going the other way. She's like, is that really my husband? I'm like, yep, you chose me. (laughs) And God says, yep, I chose you. All your scars, yep, I chose you. All your mistakes, yep, I chose you. All your addictions, yep, I chose you. Even though you harbor anger in your heart towards a family member, yep, you're mine. Even though you hold on to things that have happened that he's trying to take from you, guess what he still says? Yep, you're mine. All your failures, all your mistakes, and God still says, you are mine. I want to have a relationship with you. Amen? And so the scripture says this is an extraordinary thing for somebody to give their life for those that are against them. Because it, it says like it may happen for somebody that's good. It may happen for somebody that's righteous. But to happen for somebody that is against them, that, is, that, is, that just doesn't happen. Verse 9 says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having now been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, just through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin, and and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. So yeah, we have a lot to blame Adam for. Who is a type of him who was to come, but, everybody say but. The free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Again, it's reiterating, this is not the same. Things have changed. Let me explain to you how things are different now. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Again, reiterating, you are justified through Christ, through his life, through his death, his burial, and resurrection. You now have justification. You are now seen as righteous in the eyes of God. For Verse 17, for by the one man's Offense, death reign through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. We are part of that many. I don't think everybody heard me. I said we are one of that many. (laughs) Maybe if I say it again that they'll catch it. We are part of that many. We are part of that many. Where's my nuts say? It said, pause for applause from those that are saved by grace and understand they needed a savior or else they would be lost without him. We would be lost if one man decided in that moment of weakness, if he said, let this cup pass from me. No, for real, God, let this cup pass for me. I don't want it. That's not what the scripture said. He said, I know this is difficult. I know this is hard, but not my will, but your will be done, Father. And so he went to the cross as a substitute for where we should have been. Where we should have been. Where that coworker that you don't like should have been, God went in their place. For that family member that you get upset with at every reunion, at every family gathering, guess what? God went in their place. For that church member that you really don't like to see sometimes, guess what? God went in their place. Don't elbow if you're sitting right beside them because that's just wrong. God went in their place. He sent his son in their place so that they can be in a right relationship with us, with him. The person that doesn't look like you, doesn't sound like you, 
God went in their place. Are we, are we grasping that this morning? I know this may be something that you've heard before, but as I mentioned, if you asked people what they thought of when it comes to church, if you just took a poll and you went and asked 100 people, you would probably get more than 50% negative thoughts about who we are. And I tell people, that's not my church. It's not New Covenant Church. We're a loving group of people. But there's going to have to be a group of people that stands up and shows the true gospel to this world for them to be changed. There's going to have to be people that have to stand up and say, that is not what grace says. Grace does not say, I don't like you because you're not my same religion. Grace doesn't say, because you're associated with this demographic of people, because we are not the same color, I don't like you. That's not what grace says. There's a song that we all sung at one point in our life, and it says that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. What's the next line? They are precious in his sight. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. The main people that should be displaying that is the church. There should be, when there's difficult times, people should look to the church for an example. We should be the example of what heaven is going to be like. We should be living heaven on earth for people to see. Because let me tell you, if they see you at your job and you're saying, well, those group of people, that's how they act. And those group of people, that's how they act. And you know, those racist people, that's how they act. And that race of people, that's what they do. And then you turn around and say, hey, you want to come to church? What? People at work are like, you go to church? They let you in? Talking about different people like that? And that's why people say, no, I'm okay. I don't want to go to church with you. Because we're living witnesses. Walking, breathing, speaking witnesses of who God is. It's quoted all the time in our youth group. We tell them, look, they may not go to church. Or what did you say, Chris? I'm probably butchering it. You said that they may not read their Bible, but... You may be the only Bible they ever read. So what Bible, what scripture are you showing them? What scripture are you showing them? Are you showing them the scripture that's made up? Second hesitation says you're going to burn. <laughs> or maybe first procrastination that says, uh, get it together first and then I'll let you sit by me. That's not in the Bible. It just says right here, we just read it, that the free gift, everybody say free. That means you didn't have to pay for it. It's there. Guess what? It's there for everyone else too. It's a free gift. The gospel is good news. Verse 20. Man, what Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded so much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign 
through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay. So all this church needs, all the church needs is real Jesus. I'm going to give you three easy signs of real Jesus. Sign number one, point number one, a growing, thriving relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A growing and thriving relationship. As you guys know, if you're on social media, I like to post different surprises, different things I do for my beautiful wife, Olivia. If, and that's fine. You can say, oh, he brought her roses her first day as a counselor. That was amazing. But if come 2025, the only thing she's talking about is the day I brought her roses her first day as a counselor in 2017, that's a problem. I love how Pastor Chris gets emotional talking about the day he got saved. But if that's the only thing he could ever talk about, one, that is a good thing. But his relationship with God should have produced other events of God's faithfulness. Amen? And I'm using him as an example because I know he will tell you about just a few weeks ago being healed, standing on God's promises. Our relationship should be growing with God thriving, invest in your relationship with God. A thriving relationship with all three, your heavenly father, not Facebook. A growing, thriving relationship with your Lord and Savior, not Instagram. And a growing, thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit, not Twitter or Snapchat. Man, did I step on some, like, I obviously got into people's lives. If if our evaluation of our lives can be summed up in what we post and what we did on social media more than what we have done in our relationship with God and more what we've done for the kingdom of God, then something's out of balance, guys. Your goal is not to win arguments on social media. Your goal is not to prove how smart you are. And I'm going to tell them, we have a, a saying for that at the university. We call, we call it cyber boldness where people, I'm not going to tell you what they really call it at the university because I can't say that, but it's where someone behind a computer will say things that they will never say to your face. And we have it all the time where their students are, are come to us and they say, well, my advisor told me that I'm supposed to take this class and it's supposed to be offered online. I'm supposed to be able to get it and how come it's not available? You lied to me. Students have called me a liar in an email. Well, I, I would have graduated, but my advisor told me to take these classes I didn't need, and so, uh, and so I'm still here. True story. I responded to a student. Okay, let's set a face-to-face -face appointment. Yeah, my, my mom's coming too. Bring your mom, bring your dad, bring grandma. Bring them all. <laughs> student sat across my desk, said the exact same thing. Oh, no, he didn't say that. His mom read the email and was like, so... My, my son said he should have graduated a long time ago, but he, he didn't because of what classes you told him to take. Why is that? Well, ma'am, did your son tell you that he's on academic probation? <laughs> Looks at the son. Academic probation is when your GPA is below a 2.0 for the semester. So it limits what classes you can take and the amount of classes you can take. Same 
She was like, no, he didn't. I said, well, did he also tell you that if you take a set of classes and fail them all, and we have to take them all again the next semester, and you pass it, and then you take classes the next semester, fail them all, and then you take those same classes, that it will extend your time that you're in school if you have to take every class twice. Look, I was like, I flipped my screen around. This is what the notes say. I'm not telling you anything. She's like, he did not tell me all that. I don't know how that related to my story. What was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, thank you, youth leaders. See, that's why you have a team of youth leaders ready. Your cyber boldness is not, it does not say, and when, and when your Facebook page is lifted up, I will draw all men <laughs> unto me. No says the goodness of God draws men to repentance. When they see God's goodness in your life, when they see how faithful you are despite chaos going on around you, when they see that your commitment to God excels above everything else that you have, then they say, hmm, what is it that you have? Because I need that in my life. Okay, second sign. I'm going to go through these real quick. The fruits of the Spirit. This is in Galatians 5, through 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Another scripture says you will know them by their fruit. Congratulations, you are all fruit judges. You can judge by the fruit. We do it all the time in our lives. When you go, well, people don't do this anymore, but if you were to go to a tree, how would you know it's an apple tree? It's growing apples. Thank you. How would you know if it's a, any other tree? By the fruit. So you're saying, hey, Roger, you said the fruits of the Spirit. You list them all. I've heard them before. How do I know if they're in my life? Well, are you planting seeds of joy? Are you planting seeds of peace? Are you planting seeds of confusion? If the first thing that comes out of your mouth, well, you know, I heard that, 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 that other country is just going to, they're going to get us. Are you planting seeds of doubt? Are you planting seeds of fear? If that's what comes out of your mouth, then that's the type of fruit you're going to produce. And you wonder why I'm so confused all the time. Stop saying you don't know. Stop saying you're confused. But if you're planting seeds of love, of joy, planting seeds of patience, planting seeds of kindness, then guess what? That is the fruit that will come into your life. It's very simple, very simple process. You will know them by their fruit. The other scripture where Jesus said, you will know who my disciples are by the love they have one for another. So, so there's your fruit and by the love that you have one for another. It's one of my disciples right there. Very easy process. Last thing, an easy sign that you have Jesus is obedience and guidance from Father, Son, Holy Spirit, FSHS. Verse, John, verse 16, 13 says, the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truths. So I'll finish with this story. If the wonderful piano player wants to come up. So Holy Spirit will lead you. And we all have had that voice, that, that nudge from the Holy Spirit. Went to a friend at the end of your senior year as, a, as an art student at UT Tyler. They do like an art gallery. And you get to showcase your work. So I went to support one of my friends. And while I was there, um, 
basically you have like three to five piece of artwork and you get to explain kind of what is your what was you know your uh, your drive behind it what led you to it your inspiration for that piece what made you do that and you get to share without with each one of your pieces well the student goes who's not my friend and she has five pieces the first four she is giggling, she's laughing, she's talking about how much joy she had, how this one inspired her because of, because of what her grandmother said, and this one inspired her because of, of a friend she had all throughout high school, and she gets to her last piece. And all the other pieces, again, there's so much joy, there's so much laughter, she gets to the last piece, and it's a painting, and it has all the, these like sharp and rigid edges. And it just looks like, I mean, there was a different atmosphere that came when she started talking about this last piece and she said this one reminds me of my relationship with my dad and that's why you see all the 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 sharp edges and that's why I threw a lot of, of violent images and color in this one painting because we don't have a good relationship at all Now, as a Christian, you're just like, open door. But of course, there's that thought of just like, well, what if she thinks this is weird? What if she thinks this is, this is dumb? And so we start negotiating with God. Okay, God, this is really you. I want you to give me an opportunity to where I can encourage her but not look weird in front of all these people. God says, you got it. So <laughs> I'm over by like the punch table, like getting a, getting a drink and getting like some snacks. And my friend was there, she was like, thank you so much for calling. Oh, have you met this girl, blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, I haven't. And then my friend said, yeah, she's, she's a senior, she did the pieces. And then my friend walks off to where I'm standing at the punch table <laughs> with the word God has for me because he said, tell her I want to restore that relationship. That that's not my intention for her to have a, a bad relationship with her father. That I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring restoration. She will have a blessed relationship with her father. And I stood at that punch table and I said, I'm just going to drink this punch, Lord. And I got cold feet. And I didn't say anything. Yes, I missed it. I failed. Yes, I'm a pastor. I missed it. Missed the opportunity. So I'm walking out to the car, and I know I missed it. God just gave me a layup, just like, here it is. You asked for it. I'm giving it to you. And I get to the car, and I hear those words again. I want to restore that relationship. I want to restore that relationship. My heart's pounding. I put the key in the ignition and I crank the car up and the heart, my heart is just pounding. I'm just like, I can't leave. I said really quickly, I said, Lord, I'm sorry I missed that opportunity. And then negotiation came in. If you just give me one more chance, God, I will, I promise that I will, I will say that word you have for this, this young lady. And sure enough, here comes her entire family with all of her artwork to the car right beside me where she had parked. So I turned off the car, 
got out, walked to her in front of her family, because I'd already met her, so now it's just like, if you did the first time, you would be so weird. So I walked up and I said, I said, hey, I got something I need to tell you. <laughs> um, so I told her first that, great job, love all your artworks, that last piece. God wanted me to tell you that that is not his goal for your life, that that is not what God intended for your relationship with your dad. And the minute I say that, the entire family, tears, whole family, crying. And I could tell she was fighting back to hold back this, the, the emotion that wanted to come out. And there's always a, a praying grandma in the picture. So praying grandma comes up and tells me, we've been praying for them. And we know that that is not God's purpose. That is not God, the end goal for God for their life, for her and her dad. So last could I pray with the family, prayed with them, went on my way. We all have those nudges. We all have those, those, little, those little leaning ins from, from the Holy Spirit because of our dedication, because we've given our lives to him. We've said, come into my life. I make you my Savior and Lord. Everyone close their eyes.